GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. The Spanish king has started consultations with leaders of Spain's political parties. He'll need to assess which one of them has the best chance of forming a government. Our reporter Kevin Ruiz had the details. The Hearing Issues and Tinnitus Association has warned that children and adults alike could be the victims of temporary or even permanent hearing loss or tinnitus if exposed to high levels of noise. And Edgar Triay told us he had some concerns about the Gibraltar Fair where Rima is just one of the many musicians performing at the family pavilion. The local singer spoke to us about her style, which marries reggaeton, afrobeat and Spanish vocals. But first, has women's football finally arrived? I spoke to writer and football fanatic Rebecca Calderon. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Rebecca Calderon, who who penned a piece in uh, today's Gibraltar Chronicle uh, comparing the the Lionesses' recent success. um, uh, They reached the final of the World Cup uh, to when you grew up and and football wasn't even an option for girls in school. Well, I don't know if... uh everybody realises, but football was actually banned in England for 50 years. It, football, women's football started the same time as men's in England. It was a game that was invented, everyone played it. Women were actually more, there was there were more leagues, there were more football teams. But then in 1921, the authorities, the FA, just decided to ban it. They thought it was unsavoury, unsuitable, and they, they, didn't, they couldn't stop the game being played, but they wouldn't let the women go anywhere near pitches, grounds. And then it wasn't until 1971 that the ban was lifted. So, you know... You, that, people need. To, that's why I wrote the art. One we of the reasons I wrote the art. Where we've yes, come from, yeah. yeah. And I mean, when I went to school, the, the, there wasn't any football. I was with it, like you know, knocking it about when, when we were really little. But when it came to senior school, and then my own daughter here, when she was she was born in '94, and she didn't have it here, and we were trying to get her involved in football here, and there wasn't anything for her for that age group. I mean, those things are changing, but women's how, football. How, how far have we come then? Where? In Gibraltar? Well, generally with women's football. With women's football, it's uh, massive, but the women have had to drag themselves. It's all in spite of the governing bodies and in spite of the naysayers and, the and I mean, men mainly, people saying... It's it's like oh, women can't play football. It's not exciting, and and uh, I mean I have to say I've been watching it for for years, but it hasn't been on telly, so you haven't been able to watch it for many years. But I mean, it's really improved the standard. Well, and, and I suppose that it's also um, I'd like to think working in broadcasting that if you have a good broadcast as yes. well, that it really enhances the viewing yes. experience because you've got the goals from different angles, slow yes. motion replays, and that all um, just makes it that little bit more um, enjoyable. Well, and it's uh, it just shows an interest. If, you, as they say, as the old saying goes, if you can see it, you can be it. And if it's not on TV, you don't know it exists. And the minute the BBC started running with it, and uh, players, women players, were out there, you saw the game. You saw actually it was a really big thing in America and other countries, and that we were in were really lagging behind. And so it's become this massive thing. And then with the lionesses getting winning the Euros last year, it's it's just you know it's gone it, and then this world cup has really been 
I mean, people also said that they weren't people, oh, they're not going to watch it, it's, it's funny times, but everyone was watching it. And, it's and broken just all records. A, a great viewing figures, amazing goals. Yes. And, and drama and, and everything that you yes. want from a World Cup. Yes, I mean, as a foot, I'm a big football fan. and Generally. I, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I write article. I wrote an article about the men's World Cup. I always write for when big tournaments are on. I write. I love. I love them. I mean, I've always been involved, and I love football. I watch football. That, that includes local football, and I. You know, I've I even had a wall chart this year, a women's wall chart. You couldn't get well. You can't. You couldn't get them. You ha- I had to print it off the internet. But there's. It's like and now I've been convincing other people, and other people have been watching, and they've said actually it's this really, really good. good. <laughs> so, so yeah, I. Uh, but it's not been easy. It's been a hard, hard struggle for women. And it's not. It's still not easy. I mean, look at the situation in Gibraltar that we have today. It, it's people. Women are second-class citizens when it comes to football. They're still catching up with the men's game. What are your What are your hopes um, for them, for the Gibraltar's national women's team? Well, we were told uh, in spring this year that they they were being. Uh, withdrawn from the UA. There's an inaugural UEFA Nations League. I, people might remember know that there's a, the, the, the UEFA Nations League for men started a few years ago, and it's been fantastic. Now they've started it for women, and of course everyone that's in UEFA is invited to participate. Which we are members of UEFA, and we were invited, and. We've been pulled out of that. Uh, our women's team, which is lovingly called the Rockettes, uh, they were pulled out uh, and told that they weren't ready. And this is obviously not true because a load of us went to the stadium and watched our Rockettes play on the 26th of June this year against Panama, who were in this World Cup in Australia. And they were... I mean, if you've got a team, you're ready. If you've got a team, a kit, you're ready. I don't see why... I mean, who... Would have said that our men weren't ready when we got into UA for ten years ago. Oh, they're not they found ready. It very difficult yeah, at the I mean, start, they were no, being they've... thrashed ten nil, etc. But we never stopped. We'd have never said, "Oh, you can't go." We were all like, "We've got to go." We've been. We're in the club now. We've got to play. So that's what should happen to our women. And I'm so gutted that on the 21st of September. I was really looking forward to watching our girls play because there's a great bunch of girls and a lot of our girls play professionally in the UK and in Spain. And they should be our new heroines, our football. I mean, Gibraltar could have, you know, we've only been in UA for 10 years and we saw all the mistakes made by other uh, governing bodies over the years and legacy issues. But we had a clean slate and we could have, we still can though. I've still got faith that the GFA will pull its socks up and do the right thing and start funding and supporting our women's football properly. I mean, to be fair to them, that they say it's not a question of funding or, or, um, or, or, or not supporting them, just having a different view uh, to. Um, yourself or the people who have criticized the move um th- they've done it they think for the the right reasons not because they don't uh, um, spend money on it or, or not because they don't support they haven't given the any reasons game. though have they they said we're, they're not ready they're ready we saw them play against panama so i think we need to probe them a bit more I mean, we've got new management, we've got new uh, Scott Wiseman's there now, although there's rumours now that women won't be getting played at all. But, you know, let's let's push it. We've got uh, a woman um, football coordinator there. 
and she was in Australia. Let's let's push forward, and and we've got people there. Get more women involved, more people that are that care about the game and the girls themselves. And before we let you go, Rebecca, if we bring it back to the the, the women's World Cup and and what it's done for for visibility and 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 creating role models. I mean, we want the same from the GFA, but but just generally speaking, uh, it, it, it's been a great few weeks for oh yes for planting that seed and 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 making young people and in particular young girls think maybe that could be me maybe yes. i could do that oh yes 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 it's been nothing but positive it's the quality at play on our screens and it's here to stay the spanish king yesterday and today the spanish king has been meeting with uh, the leaders of spain political parties um this is something which happens after a spanish election in any case now it's normally straightforward because the king the mission of the king, the aim of the goal of the king, is to nominate the person he considers most likely to be able to form a government, a majority government in Spain. It's normally quite straightforward. It's normally the person who, who secures the majority, a simple majority in Spain. That's not happened, of course, so it makes everything a little bit more complicated. And today the king has the difficult task of uh, nominating someone when both leaders of the big parties, uh, that's Feijó for Pepe and Sánchez for the Socialists, still haven't secured a majority, um, still haven't secured the numbers to form a government in Spain. He'll be listening to them. All of them have gone there with their concerns, with their hopes, with their aims. Now, Sánchez, very importantly, says he will not try to convince the king that he's the man who should be nominated or put forward how, to form. How come? Because he's saying he will not be applying pressure on the king. And also it's a bit of a tactic because Feijó still hasn't got the numbers required to form a government. So they're talking of a fake investiture in Spain. Basically Feijó, he'll be meeting the king at four today. Sanchez has just been in with the king at noon. Vox went in at 10.30. Feijó at four today will ask, it's expected that Feijó will be asking the king to put him forward, to nominate him to be the person to lead the next Spanish government. And if that happens, if the king by default decides to nominate Feijó, who did uh, secure the, the, the numbers at the election, but still hasn't secured a majority to form a government, it means the next step will be Feijó and his nomination will be put to the Mesa del Congreso, um, who will have to vote. They'll have a debate and they'll have to vote. Feijó will also have to bring a majority, giving him a few days to secure that majority. Now, it's not expected that Feijó will be able to secure that majority, given the narrative in Spain, um, in the Spanish politi political scenario. So we're talking about fake investiture because it would lead to nowhere. Mean, it would also mean that right. Sanchez would have a few more days to garner the support he does. And uh, commentators are, are saying Sanchez is more likely to secure um, that uh, uh, that uh, the, those votes that he still requires to. So, so, so when we talk about votes in this context, mm -hmm. what we're talking about is support the from support. Uh, elected members of parliament who are not part of the socialist. Um, uh, party That's and right. who could form an alliance of sorts with, with them exactly uh, a coalition a, government a coalition government that's right it's expected uh, as well if Feijó does get nominated and go to, uh, and it goes to the debate to the Mesa del Congreso 
which importantly, the Messel Congreso is being controlled by the socialists. That uh, voting happened last week. Yeah. We have a socialist uh, controlling the Mesa, which is another important element there as well. And also... The, the administrative side of Parliament, no? The Mesa del Congreso being the administrative tool of Parliament. Importantly as well, um, there's a mass rejection to Vox within uh, the Spanish Parliament. So even if um, the Pepe goes to the Mesa del Congreso for that vote to become the next government with the support of Vox. There might be many MPs there who reject that alliance with Vox as well. And that's what's been difficult for the Partido Popular, that even though they themselves secured more votes than any other party at uh, the general election in Spain, it wasn't enough to get them over the line and have a majority. Mm -hmm. uh, and therefore, they needed uh, Vox... Uh, and and Vox is considered fairly toxic, and 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 therefore it's Vox. But but then you can't pull others along. Whereas right. the socialists have smaller other uh, parties supporting them. That's right. And also importantly, Vox um, and uh, the PP had a bit of a fallout in the last few days. Yesterday as well, there's a bit of a split, and um, Abascal was not guaranteeing um, that support for the PP if it got to the round of, of uh, 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 the debate at the Mesa del Congreso. So that's not guaranteed. Abascal has just finished his meeting with the king just moments ago, uh, just a while ago this morning. Um, and again, he says he would he would support the Pepe, but there are some conditions there, and we don't know whether the Pepe will accept <laughs> and, them. And Kevin, the, uh, Spain is a constitutional monarchy, so the, the king is the head of state. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he plays sort of a, a, a role in, in just confirming the, the head of the government in that's the same right. way as, as, as it happens in the UK. No? That's right, that's they're right. Not, they're not actually choosing, choosing. them, but they, 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 they exactly. play that sort of symbolic role in, in giving it the, 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 the go-ahead or not. That's right. Given the circumstances, he has a difficult choice to make because the numbers aren't there for, for either of them. And ultimately, it'll be the MPs who will vote based on that nomination. Um, Sanchez, um, like I say, Sanchez continues to negotiate in the background. Those negotiations are ongoing between the parties as well. Um, and, and Sanchez has his eye, of course, on the Catalan uh, pro-independence party, Junts, who did support the socialist candidate for the forming of the Mesa del Congreso last week. Importantly, Junts said that they would support the forming of the Mesa del Congreso. Didn't necessarily mean they would support uh, Sanchez for president, for leader of the government. Two different things. Two it? different things, because as well, the demands made by Junts for support for Sanchez are considered... Um, going against the constitution in Spain. And it's uh, something that Sanchez were, cannot accept. Uh, Junts is uh, wanting, uh, demanding the amnesty of everyone involved in the 2017 Catalan independence referendum and also the approval to hold a new independence referendum going forward. So two difficult ones uh, for Sanchez to approve and much chatter in the last few weeks about whether it is within the realms of the constitution or whether it's anti-constitutional or not. So everything up in the air. Very interestingly, um, uh, Jonathan, Spain, as we know, transition from a two-party system. It's become a uh, fragmented, uh, more mature, but more uh, fragmented landscape in, in, in the last few years. Interestingly, under King Juan Carlos I, um, 
his 39-year reign, he only had 10 of these consultations that we're seeing today. King Felipe, who's uh, been on the throne just for a number of years, um, he's already had nine since 2014. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, a tumultuous period for Spanish politics. Uh, so, Kev, you, you're in on the detail, you, you, you're following this closely, but, but the, the long and the short of it is that... We don't know whether there's the, the, uh, a Spanish government is going to be able to be formed. That's right. We might be heading to uh, uh, another, another election, yep. election and, and, and a continued period of uncertainty for Gibraltar in respect of not having a Spanish government with, with whom to uh, try to take that negotiation for an EU treaty over the line. Of course, I mean, the interest in Gibraltar is, of course, for that socialist government to form a government. So we have some form of continuation, if not of the treaty, or at least um, of the spirit or of the behaviour um, that we've seen from the Spanish socialist uh, leader in the last few years. And that's what uh, many are hoping for in Gibraltar, a continuation of that. Um, after today, I mean, everything is going to that Mesa del Congreso for a debate. Uh, the, the candidate uh, proposed, nominated by the king, um, they'll, they'll, they'll be debated at uh, the Spanish parliament. It'll need to have support from MPs. There'll be a voting system. If all that fails, what happens next? Well, um, it's hoped, but the debate would happen in or around the 28th of August. And if all that fails, um, the vestiger fails to go through, Spain could be heading to the polls on the 17th of December, or if there are a number of de delays, even closer to Christmas. The Hearing Issues and Tinnitus Association has warned children and adults could be victims of temporary or even permanent hearing loss or tinnitus if exposed to high levels of noise. And, um, and I'm joined now by Edgar Triay, uh, who has been talking about uh, this issue for uh, a number of years now, Edgar. Uh, and of course, um, you know, I think that the fair readings over the weekend um, you know, uh, cause a little bit of concern for you. Indeed, uh, I, I went on Saturday and Sunday, and I, I expect the fair to be a, a loud place. And um, I always try to, uh, as, as a charity and personally, to raise uh, awareness and educate the public on the dangers of loud sounds and that really, when exposed to those sounds, you should wear pro uh, ear protection. But um, what really, you know, how would I say, um, shocked me, I was in a family pavilion on on the Saturday, I think, yeah, on the Saturday, and I saw the table and pushed up against the loudspeaker. So whoever sat on that table would have the the, the loudspeaker of the of the show being like bl blasting towards them but what concerned me even further which made me really wanting to put the pose was that i saw a young mother with a pram on that same table and happily eating there allowing the, the her toddler to play around the area uh, totally oblivious of the fact that the the, the child's he, uh, hearing was being jeopardized so, so um, you, you took readings. You're not. You, you think it was too loud? Well, it's 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 two things. And I expect a fair to be loud, and it's very difficult to control uh, the sound levels. 
and and it's up to the individual whether they want to wear, wear ear protection or not. But where I see that more could be done is the fact that where the loudspeakers are being placed, for the loudspeakers not to be at people level, to be higher up, uh, especially not in, uh, on a table where you're you're eating. And the logic is that the closer you are to it, the louder it is. Exactly. Uh, the the photos that I took um, was were screenshots from an app that I have, and the decibel reading was from the position I was standing. So obviously, if you were closer to the loudspeaker, the decibel readings would have gone over a hundred. And I've seen in some rides where the the, lo- the loudspeaker is actually at head level, where where the people are queuing up and waiting to for the next turn. So uh, and that, just for, yeah. to, to to place this in context, you you said it was uh, reaching I think ninety eight, uh, and then where you were. But if it if it had been even closer, it had been higher, uh, over a hundred. Yeah, uh, and uh, according to the Hearing Centre of Excellence, noise levels between eighty five and ninety decibels can cause permanent damage with extended exposure. Yeah. I don't know what extended exposure is, but perhaps or, a, whole, or, a whole night there. Or, or, no, uh, not, not, not really. If it's something above 100 decibels, you only have to be there uh, minutes, two minutes exposed. Wow. Yeah. Goodness me. So so uh, th- th- there's a real risk then that, that it people's is, it is. hearing will and, have been negatively affected. And anyone who's done affected. any health and safety course, will, you know, they will be aware that Hearing loss is a is a is a risk fast, fast, uh, factor in uh, in factories or in building sites, but in the entertainment, the the exposure to equivalent sounds uh, uh, are there. But there seems to be a very poor education or or, or public perception of the real danger of, of loud sounds in 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 leisure activities. Um, okay, so uh, have you spoken to the authorities or the organisers uh, about your concerns? Yes, yes, I, I did on, on the night itself, and also um, I've spoken with a, with the minister. Um, but this is an ongoing thing. Uh, we're, we've got a good working relationship. I can I can give you an advance that in September we're going to meet with the environmental agency as well as the public health and Gibraltar Cultural Services to to basically iron out uh, ways and means to better protect people's hearing in, in these kind of events. We we did put the sort of concern about the, the level of noise to the uh, chief executive of cultural services, Seamus Byrne, yesterday, and this is what he had to say on it. I agree sometimes the noise is a bit louder than usual. What we've done with the noise with the noise managers as well and and our health and safety inspectors is asking people to lower the music as well. But we're always trying to cater for everybody in the community so that everybody can enjoy it. So the, the, some can some uh, acknowledgement there that uh, that that, 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 that the, you know there's a need to monitor uh, noise levels obviously and, and that, uh, that it might have been a little bit loud. Uh, anecdotal evidence that maybe last night actually wasn't as loud as, Indeed, as uh, uh, the uh, weekend. I also saw uh, some posts in in the on, on Facebook welcoming the fact that the noise levels were not as loud as we had been experiencing over the weekend. Okay, so. Um, 
prevention is the best cure. That's what uh, what you always uh, what we always say about uh, most health concerns, and it's the same with with hearing issues. You, you you want to raise awareness to try to avoid people having issues with their hearing as, as they as they grow up, and 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 certainly uh, you're talking about a young person there, a, a, a toddler. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you you wouldn't want a, a toddler obviously uh, having their learning impacted by by um, Hearing exactly impairments. that development indeed, and um, because what I always uh, try to remind people that the, when when you have hearing loss, you can you have access to devices, to hearing aids, to cochlear implants, but those are not replacement to a good working ear. Uh, your your ear, your hearing will never be the same. We've got um, a few more um, numbers uh, because uh, people might have heard, you know, I mean, you, you've mentioned there that you took a reading of 98, so you think next to the speaker it would have been about, or, or maybe even over 100 decibels. Just to place that into context, um, our producer Kelly uh, prepared a, a, a list um, from the Hearing Centre of Excellence. Uh, so uh, a normal cons- conversation like this one might be around 60 decibels. A busy street could be 75 to 85 decibels. If you've got somebody uh, honking their car horn, that would take it up to 110, so that's very loud. You wouldn't want to hear that uh, continuously. Uh, no. continuously. And I think that we all have... Uh, we can we can sort of um, share that experience. But if somebody's heard a horn uh, sounded repeatedly, it can become very very irritating. But, and uh, but like like I mentioned, it's like nobody likes the sound of a honk. But if you play music at that same level, you know you totally um, you are enjoying the music and you're not aware that you're being exposed to that. Yeah. Okay. And 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 therefore it's it sort of you, you you don't see the risk in it. No. Indeed. A motorcycle can be similarly loud, uh, and then if we go up, a nightclub, 110 decibels, an ambulance siren, um, a, a, a nightclub is practically as loud as an ambulance siren, which is 112, uh, and, and then a rock concert would go up to 120, and a jet engine, 150. So, um, 100 is is loud, uh, and we want to be we want to take care with it. Um, so, in short, uh, Edgar, your your next steps, you, you're going to continue to talk to uh, the authorities. You said to, to try and come up with a sort of a best practice. Yeah, and uh, and and it's not costly at all. You know, for for example, when talking about the fair, if we if we actually um, you know uh, have a proactive approach of for the loudspeakers not to be at ground level, the higher up the better, and um, you know maybe on the entry points, for there to be visual aids or posters, warning the public, not to stand close to loudspeakers or, or the fact that they are entering an environment where the hearing could be uh, at risk, that would, that would make people think. <laughs> Rima. Good afternoon. Como está? Bien. 
Ian, I'm very happy to, to be here. It's my first time on this show. Good. Well, well welcome. It's great to have you. Um, and um, we really enjoy your, your style. Um, Kevin uh, was saying earlier how much he, he, he loves everything that's Gibraltarian and he loves the fact that this is Gibraltarian, but, but, but unique because it's not like a sound that we tend to associate with Gibraltar musicians. Yeah. I quite like the fact that here in Jib you can mix English, Spanish, and if you're lucky enough to know other languages, you can mix everything in. And me, me encanta, me encanta que tenemos un rollo de tanta diferente cultura that it sort of welcomes everyone from Jib into it. And that's a style that I keep wanting to push. So I'm glad that people are liking my style. Where do you get your um, inspiration from, your, your sort of influences? Um, to be honest, my influences have changed yeah, for the past couple of years, but... I can say that right now really me, me sale de mí. Like I, I listen to so so many different musicians and different genres, but I'm very into the whole Moroccan French style. I'm very into Afrobeat y el reggaeton a mí me encanta. So al escuchar estilo que, que la gente le gusta a bailar y disfrutar, well, that's exactly what I want to keep portraying. So Music that sort of makes you feel good. Claro, that's like a good vibe. I mean, you are going to have songs que que con mucha pasión te pueden atocar de una manera diferente, pero el style que yo ahora tengo ya puedo decir que it's, it's my style. Yeah, so yeah. I'm more inspired from the previous songs that I've done. And if it works well, which Mala seems to be doing really well, why well, I want to carry on doing that. Yeah, um, uh, some of the comments on your YouTube. Uh, Billy, vamos, my favorite <laughs> singer. <laughs> um, uh, Lucia, quiere buenísima, me encanta. Daniel, que crack, I love this song. Um, Grace thinks it's a very catchy song, even though she doesn't speak or understand Spanish. She she says, "I love it, Rima." So uh, I suppose uh, if you know the the language, you can understand or, or maybe try and get a a sense for what the music is about. But even if you don't, you can you can almost use your imagination. Or like sometimes it happens to me, you know, you hear a song in another language and you start thinking about what they might be singing about porque yeah. it makes you feel something no? and that's the most important thing with music yeah I mean I listen to Moroccan and French music every day y yo no me entero de nada <laughs> pero me encanta <laughs> you don't speak Moroccan I, do, I don't speak Moroccan oh. I learn the words like my my strategy is I use like I say something in English or Spanish se lo mando mi prima por WhatsApp she says it to me in Marroquí and I start learning how to pronounce it pero yo no ah, sé si me wow. está diciendo algo de verdad o no. Oh, no. Y mi madre se harta la pesada conmigo porque estábamos en el coche y le estoy cantando marroquí y ella, lo ve, lo ve, tú sigas hablando marroquí. Y yo, mam, yo sé cómo suena, pero yo parezco como la típica persona inglesa que no sabe cómo hablar español. Pues igual, así. Pero it works, it works. Porque bueno, tampoco... you, you've got, I suppose, the, the building blocks. You've got sí, some estamos, words estamos. and then you can pass it off. Yeah, yeah. You're in danger, I suppose, of saying some things que maybe somebody who does speak fluent um, might think, ah, she knows how to speak uh, and she can converse normally. It happened. It happened. Sí, hablar de, like as if like you, you, you know and then you're like, sorry, sorry, I, I, I actually don't know how to speak that well. No? But that happens to me more than what you think. I think también my, my face says it all, no? like you can tell that I'm, that I'm half Moroccan and I do know a few words but I always make the mistake, like out of respect, I would always say like sparger, which means good morning and then from there, y yo no me he enterado de nada. <laughs> and then we have to go back to Spanish. But with the music, it is something that I definitely do want to wanna try doing because I do want to put more Moroccan language into my songs. So you've been singing from a very young age, no? I think you sang on GBC. My first time was in Hula Balulu when I was three. 
That's the first time I ever sang here and I'm never going to forget it because to this day I still remember that I had sellotape on my glasses and everyone saw me that day. So yeah, from there my reputation The girl with sellotape on her glasses and a beautiful voice. Solo que when I was three, sí. And then from there, yeah, pues, I never really stopped, to be honest. Me, me pasaba los días como ahora, really, escribiendo non-stop. From a young age, no? Sí, sí. I, I have this book todavía que mi madre lo tiene que tener por algún lado. Desde los seis, siete años, that I was writing and writing. And then at 10, <clears throat> she got me my first guitar. And then it just went from there, really. At 14, I started playing live. And it wasn't now until I came back from uni that I thought, I'm going to stick now to something more Spanish because it's it's what I feel is who I am. And for the past year, really, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go all out. Yeah. I'm going to go Afrobeat. I'm going to go to a style that I, that I really do want to portray. It is true that because everyone here in Jib knows each other, and mucha gente pensarán como, uff, ¿qué pasa si no le gustan? ¿Qué pasa si hablan de mí? Pero ya I go to the point that I thought, mira, you know what, it's who I am. Quien le vaya a gustar, le va a gustar. Quien no, mira, you can't be everyone's cup of tea, you ¿no? Can't, you can't please everyone with Queda. the music. Yeah. Pero right now Or I can tell anything. you que no, no tengo nada malo que decir because the support that I've been getting, al contrario, the, the heavier that I go and the more that I do, the more that it's working. So, I'm, I'm, de verdad, I'm very, very proud. In the past year, he trabajado tanto, tanto para llegar donde estoy. Que any little bit, like any bit of support, que sea un comment en Facebook, que sea que alguien ponga mi canción en Spotify, lo que sea, any little support, me ayuda. Y la verdad, it keeps you motivated. It's con que I, de verdad, I couldn't be prouder of how far I've come. Good for so. you. And you're playing tomorrow night at the, the Family Pavilion at the fair alongside The Wave. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're almost out of time. So in short, what can yeah. people expect from that? I mean, you can expect a different range of um, of genres for all ages. I have a mix of um, old classics. I have rumba, flamenco, pop, reggaeton. There's a bit for everyone to enjoy. So I'm really excited to be playing for the first time in the fair this year. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices.